Well, good morning. As uh, already been shared a couple of times, just a great time down at camp, and I just appreciate all those who uh, came down and contributed or uh, just to pay attention and tune in to others in this congregation. I was kind of on, I, I, I knew I was committed to going, but I wasn't really feeling it, frankly, uh, Friday, as many of you probably felt that same way. May have had something to do with the weather, uh, just a lot of different factors, and it was like, okay, how do I get over this inertia? I wasn't just really thrilled to go on down and, and then sleep the night and do the whole whole routine, but it was just so wonderful, wonderful, and I appreciate, number one, I want to thank Jeremy for, uh, just thank him, church, for wonderful uh, efforts that he made in terms of the planning, and then you noticed uh, every meal, same, some of the same people in there that were there before, and then were during the meal, and then after, and just hanging out in that kitchen for many, many hours, so, and none of them are here this morning, because they're all still down at camp, or else they couldn't make it out of bed, one of the two, okay? But I'm thinking uh, Chris Borth and Alec Hill, and uh, who's here? Oh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, okay, yeah, Elizabeth was there, there on Saturday, and then uh, Beata, Beata McLawn as well. I know there are probably others, but ones that I just saw repeatedly and saw them serving, and that just meant so much. There was so much opportunity, and again, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll, uh, uh, this isn't to guilt those who weren't there. It's simply to say that, that what is so important as we move forward as a congregation, kind of coming out of the pandemic, is that we take advantage of, of times to be with one another. And it's so interesting to me that, that I think that uh, I, I could kind of get into a big analysis on this, and maybe I will withhold from all of that, but just to simply say, say this, sometimes it's not always easy to see the best in others, and particularly if we've been somewhat isolated or away from one another, we tend to, just the way that our brains work in this culture particularly, and by finding times to interact, I think we remember who we are, and I believe this, the Holy Spirit doesn't simply work in an individual, the Holy Spirit works in community, and it works in our interaction, in our interpersonal relationships, and I think we saw that and we witnessed that again over the weekend. I think we're seeing that and we'll see it again uh, this morning, at Sunday mornings as well, but taking advantage of those, uh, those times. We'll continue to try to create some opportunities, maybe, maybe ones that you don't have to drive an hour to get to, but uh, even ones, you know, across Antilles Park or whatever going forward so that we can reconnect as a congregation. I... Uh, Love a good challenge, and we've been in one now for a few weeks with this 30-day kindness challenge. It really has had some muscle to it. And uh, in other words, kindness, which maybe is our first impression, is not like confetti that you just toss around. There is a depth to it that we might not see without a little uh, thoughtfulness that it is much deeper. In other words, a uh, few people would say, well, kindness, oh, well, that's, that's the dumb idea. No, we all kind of get it, theoretically, but it's in the practice. It's in our relationships. We know the enormous value of kindness on one level, but the question is always, how do we practice the value? 
And particularly as ones, as people who belong to God, who are submitted to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living in us, I believe we've been called to raise the standard in all of our relationships. Now, this past week, I was on a, a conference call, a video a Zoom call, and Kaz, my son-in-law, uh, was up on a ladder on our side of the house. We live in an intergenerational home, and he was changing the smoke detector batteries on the ladder on our side. And I got off the uh, call, and I, I was down in the basement for the call, and the first thing Becky says to him is, Kaz is changing the smoke detector batteries. And what she meant by that is, isn't that great? And what I heard was, what are you doing? Kaz is changing the smoke detector batteries. Now, what was the first application I made last week? I thought back to my lesson after a few minutes, and it was, assume the best. Assume the best. Well, I did it right a few times, but I didn't have missed that one, didn't I? Not so good. You see, true kindness is making choices again and again. Ones that are often uncomfortable and even difficult. Now, I'd like to look at a passage this morning, and it's a New Testament passage. We've been in the Old Testament for a few parts of this series, uh, particularly looking at the life of David. But this was one is from 2 Timothy and uses our word kindness again. So I want you to see it this morning. And I'm praying that the biblical value of kindness as a fruit of the Spirit, particularly in this age, will fill the heart of each one of you and fill the heart of this church. Let's read in 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 26. The passage says this, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they'll come to their senses and escape the trap from, of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now, among other things, this passage says that the Lord's servant must be kind to everyone. This passage is all about interpersonal relationships, and yet there's even so much more. I mean, how do we get along with others, and yet there is the massive idea that our, of conveyed here that our lives 
and God's work. Somehow get along together to bring people to a saving knowledge of Him. I want us to think about that for just a minute. Maybe back up for just a second. We're in 2 Timothy. Who was this written to? Well, to Timothy, the evangelist for the church in Ephesus. Who wrote the letter? Well, we know the Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy. The Apostle Paul is in prison. Well, why did he write it? Well, on one level, the Apostle Paul, as you read through the letter, the letter carefully is lonely, and Timothy was his partner in the gospel for years and years and years. And he really wanted uh, to see Timothy and have Timothy come to him, but he also had a message for Timothy because he wanted Timothy to continue to serve that church there in Ephesus. But I think beyond that, Paul was concerned about the church in Ephesus and believed that giving this encouragement to his dear brother Timothy was critical to withstanding the onslaught that the culture was pushing up against in the church in Corinth, including during this time the persecution caused by Nero, among other things. Now we might ask, since uh, we're, the writing is to Timothy, is the application of this passage only for those who pastor? So it's like, Jeff, why don't you read these words? You know, it's written to you, the evangelist. Or is there a broader context? In much of the context of this Second Timothy, while written to Timothy, applies to evangelists and pastors and the, and the teachers of this congregation. And, and yet the text starts, doesn't it? And the Lord's servant. And we're all the Lord's servants, aren't we? As Brad is fond of reminding us that we're all ministers. One more thing. In the very last verse of 2 Timothy, Paul says this. He says, the, Lord's, the Lord be with your spirit, Timothy. And it's singular in Greek. The Lord be with your spirit. And then he says, and grace be to all. It's plural. You see, while Paul wrote to Timothy, he had in mind a much wider audience to hear and appreciate this. And so by reading the letter, can we tell what challenges Timothy faced? And it's hard to say with certainty, and it's hard to say it proportionally. But, but, but I just want to suggest, and this is a, maybe that 50% of the challenge is this, and 30% of Timothy, what P Timothy faced was this, and 20% is this. But let me put it like this. Timothy was tempted, like we are, to forget the main things. And I would suggest that it's this. The message of the gospel and the manner of the gospel. 
So to Timothy and all who claim Christ and who are owned by Jesus Christ, your life is to be about the things of Jesus, your message and your manner. It's no wonder that Paul says to Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 3, join with me in suffering, Timothy, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And and what is Paul saying to be a soldier? And it's interesting that he uses military language in this book where he also talks about kindness. Encouraging the young preacher to fight the good fight of the faith. Remember, that shows up in 2 Timothy. And it actually shows up in that way in 1 Timothy in a couple of places. And then Paul says in 2 Timothy, and I've fought the good fight of faith. But in verse 14, just 214, 114, he says this, Timothy, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. In other words, Timothy, I want you to guard the gospel. No wonder Paul reminds him of what he is to guard, and I want to remind you this morning with another passage that opens the letter, and then we'll move from from the other side of this, from the gospel side, the content of the gospel, to the manner, back to our kindness. But here's what he says in 2 Timothy 1.9, and I want you to hear this as the context to appreciate that there's two sides to this. He says, he, meaning God, has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. And the grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Go ahead and put up the next verse there. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Here's the problem, I believe, for Timothy. He was tempted to get into discussions, arguments, debates, word wrangling. Most translations use the word quarreling. Quarrels that were not helpful for anyone, according to Paul, and I believe this applies to the church. It applies to social media, it applies in our families, it applies in our small groups, and especially it applies in husband and wife relationships. This happened because there were a good number of people then, as there are now, in or around our church or our families or our small groups or whatever the context is, who are not interested in the heart of the gospel as much as they are interested in winning arguments. 
and they have the appearance of a follower of Jesus Christ more than, as this text would suggest, being one. Now back to our passage, verses 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone and able to teach and not resentful. And opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. I find it interesting use of this word opponents, those who oppose you, There are two sides then to this passage. There is the human side and there there is God's side. Let me explain. First from the God side. This pertains to God's sovereignty. This is God's activity. Do you see how there is the movement of God in this passage and in this letter to Timothy that God has this, this great, great vision that is culminated in Jesus Christ and that comes through in this passage? That is God's side and God wants to lead people to what? Repentance to the changing of their mind, to the changing of the way they think, to the change of, and and this isn't a one-time thing. One-time thing would be a conversion in coming to Christ, but we are always coming to Christ in one sense. We're always growing up. We're constantly being converted. Our mind is constantly being changed into this transformation that God is interested where we see the world as He sees the world. That's the God side of this. In fact, you'll look that there, if you look at closely at verses 25 and 26, there's a little bit of a parallelism here where it says, God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, is parallel with the next phrase in the text where they will come to their senses. That's parallel with repentance and escape the trap of the devil which is parallel with a knowledge of the will of God. This is a remarkable passage of Scripture. This is God's Word. This is God's work. This is the God's gospel. This is God's desire. But what I want you to see is that there is a contingency component contained in this. It, just, it doesn't just, it's not an isolated body of information. It is tied to, and the Lord's servant, and how that servant bears that gospel, the message and the manner come together. Now again, I want you to hear, there's applications for how the preacher stands before you how your elders suffer on your behalf. But there are also applications in your very family. Manner and message. You see, how did the Son of Man come to us? How does the gospel get presented to us through the suffering servant. 
So when Jonathan read the passage a little earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and Paul is reading, and Paul, Paul is outlining that we do not put a stumbling block in anyone's path. He has this broad list of all the ways that he's practicing that in his own way as a servant of God. Everything from enduring hardships and troubles and distresses and taking on beatings. But I want you to see that he also said in addition to sleepless nights and hunger, there is purity. There is patience. And in that text also he says kindness. All right, let me put it this way. It seems that so often when we find opposition to our life or to kind of our point of view or the way we're looking at the world, or maybe I should say opposition to the core of the gospel, in opposing the monster we become one. I find myself in that story far too often. And this monster manner is disallowed. Is disallowed by the Word of God. It violates the essence of the gospel which is more than a message. It's a way of life. Let me say it another way. That possessing these traits, not quarrelsome, kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Do you know what that word resent, not resentful means? It means being willing to bear a burden on those who are harboring something against you. You're willing to bear up under it. That's tough stuff. So let me say it this way. Possessing these traits provides maximum agency for God to grant repentance. To do this transformative work, this is what we're after. We guard the truth of the gospel and we share it with this intentional kindness for the reason of allowing God to change people, grow people, turn their heart and mind in a good direction. All right, so let's broaden out again. The Lord's servant whether that's the preacher or the Bible class teacher or whether that's the elder or whether that's a neighbor or whether that's husbands and wives or dads and moms or sisters and brothers or cousins or those who are feeling squashed in that intergenerational uh, sandwiched in there right now. No category escapes what I'm trying to say. Do I have your agreement that all roles fall under this title, the Lord's servant, and this passage has a message for you this morning. So here's the kindness challenge that we've been going to, and I want to put it all together 
and uh, again, drawing a bit from Shanti Feldhahn's book, and three things that I want sh us to practice as we go forward. This is what we've been building up to. In one sense, you could say it's right here in the text, and another maybe more secular book, her book would, would give us this phrase. This is what we've been building up to in which the Lord willing, we've placed a foundation with this, the sacredness of the gospel, and now built on it some practical things. Here's how she would say it. This is the lifestyle of kindness. You might want to take a picture of it, just to hold on to it and be practicing it. And I've, I've put my phrasing in here, the lifestyle of the gospel. Nix the negatives. Practice praise. And do kindness. Every day. Even small acts. For the very gospel you are asked to guard produces in you the kindness you must use to assist God in reaching others. May the Lord be upon you today.